My name is Heath. I'm the lead pastor here at Reach. Uh, and today we're going to continue on in uh, 1 Corinthians. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 17, or 7, verses 17 through 25 in a minute. Uh, and here's what I want you to hear today. Um, and you're going to get a little bit more. It's always interesting preaching to myself on my video camera, I mean on my cell phone and for what we put out on Sunday morning. I don't trust our live feed to actually work, and I don't want to pay the money to make it work. Um, so it's interesting preaching in um, to my phone and then, you know, what happens over three days before I come here. And so you, you're going to get extra. So look, showing up in person has some benefits. So I'm going to give you my, my one thing that I gave them, but I'm going to add something to it because I think it's really... Um, at the heartbeat of what this text is going to be today. Um, So here's the one thing with B added on. Um, Our identity has to be centered on who we are in Christ. If our identity is centered on anything else, we're in trouble. And here's the extra. This is really, I think, what the text is talking about today. God, with that, when your identity is centered on Him, God can use you from where you're at. And look, more so than ever, this is a season because things are different than they've ever been for school, for work, for going into the gas station. Everything's different. Is, you know, what is God going to do in and through me during the season? And I think today's text is going to uh, over and over again um, clarify that where you're at and where God brought you from, God can use you in. So our identity is a big deal. Whether or not you know it, your identity is governing, governing your life. What you eat, where you live, what you wear, what you think about yourself, how you act and how you talk, are all centered on what your identity or what, your, what you think about yourself, where that centered is coming from. Right now, you're governed by what's at the center of your identity. The problem with most of us is that we're not even the one who sets that identity. That identity can be set by others, by what others have said about you, by how you grew up, by the family you're in, by things that you've been through, things that you've experienced. That identity, identity can be set there um, even without you knowing of it because a lot of us don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about where our identity is centered from. We just deal with the consequences of what comes out of that. There's freedom... From that kind of self-placed, or not self-placed, other-placed identity in Christ. Today we're going to continue in 1 Corinthians as Paul directs the people of God on living centered in their identity, bought and paid for by the cross. Let's pray. Lord, I pray right now that you would unwrap the reality of where our center is for our identity, of where we're living from and where we're living out of. 
And Lord, if there's things that aren't you there at the center, Lord, I pray that you expose them. That you help us remove them. And you help us set you in that place. That who we are in you should rule how we live, how we think about ourselves, and how we move forward. So open our eyes to your word today. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a story told of a man who loved old books. Anybody into old books? Like first edition stuff? Okay, you'll like this story. I don't know that it's true, by the way. He met an acquaintance who had just thrown away an old Bible that had been stored in the attic of his ancestral home for generations. He said, I couldn't read it. The friend exclaimed, somebody named Guten something had printed it. Not Gutenberg, the book lover said. That Bible was one of the first books ever printed. Why, a copy of it was just sold for over $2 million. The friend was unimpressed. Mine wouldn't have brought a dollar. Some fellow named Martin Luther had scribbled all over it in German. Martin Luther was one that translated the Bible into German blah. Here's the dilemma with who we are in Christ when it's our identity doesn't flow out of that. Christ gives us a value then we, that we can either trust and honor it based on the value that he subscribes to us, or we can toss it away. Because here's, here's this priceless thing that just because they were unaware of its value, they devalued it and got rid of it. We can do that in our own life. We cannot realize the value that God puts on us as his children. You know, I was listening to the song, which you've probably heard over and over again that we were worshiping to today. I think if, if I could give you anything, and this is for free, the people that I videoed didn't get this. If I could give you anything, if I could expose one thing to you, is if you could experience, really experience, how much God loves you. I think it would radically transform the way you view yourself. Because most of us in here that are devaluing ourselves aren't thinking about the value that God has put on you personally. You're just thinking about who you are and what you've done and the things that devalue you. The sin, the, the thing that you shouldn't have done, that you did do, blah, blah, blah. And if you could get a picture of how much he loved you to send his son here to live. I mean, God literally put on flesh and experienced all the things physically that we've experienced, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And he chose the cross so that we could have an identity, we could have an option and an identity other than what our life 
gives it. And so Paul, like we said last week, Paul's writing Corinthians to a church he had spent 18 months with, which was unheard of. Most of the churches that he went and started, he didn't spend that much time with. He literally went there, preached the gospel, people got saved, they set up leadership, and he went back. And he wrote letters to keep things going, he set people in leadership, but he personally didn't stay as long as he did with the um, people of Corinth. But with them, for some reason, he spent 18 months with them, teaching, living with them, loving them. And this is the first letter that he's dealing with. And if you're continuing on, which I'm not going to go through all the issues, but between chapter 3 and chapter 7 that we're in right now, there, there's, a, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of stuff that this church has done that they shouldn't have done. There's a lot of church that... A lot of things that this church is allowing that they shouldn't allow. To go back, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not going to fill in all the blanks, but read. Between 1 Corinthians 3 and 7, all the things that he's confronting them with. And one of the things that he's going to confront them with is what we're going to talk about today. And the subheading of this section is called, Live as You Are Called. And to be completely honest, this is going to be a struggle for some people because you feel that where you're at right now, you shouldn't be. And let me, let me fill in the blank for you. Although I'm going to spend a lot of time saying God can use you where you're at. And I believe that in this season, for however long it is that God placed you there, that doesn't mean that he's placed you there forever, okay? Let me, let me free you from that anxiety. He's pastor's going to make me stay at this job that I hate for the next 50 years. That is not what I'm saying. But Paul is writing to people. I mean, he's just went through marriage. He's just went through, you know, um, immorality in the church. He's gone through all of these things. And now he's going to tell them that in those moments, and this is a church that is not in like a peaceful Christian bubble. This is a church that is in the world, that is struggling with worldly things, that the, the um, community is not pro-church. They're going against the stream. And so we, here we are in verse 17, chapter 7. It's going to be behind us. Verse 17, it says, Only let each person leave the life that the Lord has assigned him, and to which God has called him. This is my rule for all my churches. This is what I had written in my little, I've got a little section on the side of my Bible that I can write notes in. I don't know what year I wrote this in, but this line, which is really what led me to this, is lead the life that the Lord has assigned him. Maybe you're like, oh, the Lord doesn't assign. I've made all these choices, and it has led me to this place. But li- li- listen to this, which is fun because my reading, uh, I think yesterday, took me through Proverbs 19, Proverbs 19:21, And this will just this will wig your brain out. Many are the plans of a man's, of the mind of man. But it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Many are the plans that you have in your mind, but the reality is is what God designs will stand, will still 
be here. And there's lots of other verses in Acts 17 that says he knows all the places that you'll live. And I truly believe that you're in this city for whatever reason you think you got here. I believe that God has brought you here for a purpose that is not about your work specifically. It's not about your family specifically, but it's about God's kingdom purpose. Look at this. That's another one. Ephesians 2.10. It says, For you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. You are created to do good works for Christ. And that's not really the difficult part because you would think, yes, if we're children of God, and yes, if we're following his lead, then yes, we're going to, walk, we're going to do good works. But this is the, the part that will kind of warp your brain. It says, Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So not should you, but he's prepared these things for you to walk in them. And I think part of what the text is going to tell you today and how God can use you where you're at is that in these, God has made preparations for you to walk in things that are going to benefit you and the kingdom. In verse 18, it says, was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision, which is scary in this day and age. I mean, like, in in our day, we have technology and other things, but, like, that's a scary thought. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised, let him not seek circumcision, which we talked about in Acts, where Paul dealt with the church, or not Paul specifically, that was Luke, Uh, They dealt with the church dealing with this idea that, oh, now that you're becoming a Christian, do you need to fall into line with things that the Jews had done forever, which one of those was circumcision. He had said no. And so what he's saying, if you were a Jew when you received Jesus, don't become a Gentile. If you were a Gentile, don't try to become a Jew. And he's going to explain why he says that in just a second. In verse 19 it says, For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commands of God. What we do externally isn't going to change what's going on with us. Because I know lots of people that do lots of external things that are good, that are still missing the mark. There isn't a scale, which we talked about several weeks ago with faith. There isn't a scale that as long as I get more good, I do more good things, then God's going to love me. That's the, you know, I've got to keep this scale. My bad and my good, I've got I've to get this one higher than the bad on the other side. It is by faith alone. And what he's saying here is that don't try to then make yourself something that doesn't matter. Because he said it counts For nothing. Because your cultural identity is not your true identity anymore. See, our world more than ever is struggling with what is my identity. And we let things in our life determine our identity. And they could be a small portion of who we are, but it rules everything else. And he's saying don't do that. Obedience is our work. See what he's saying here? He said, 
You know, this circumcision or uncircumcision count for nothing, but keep the commands of the Lord. Being a child of God is our identity. Obedience is our work because we know that in obedience we'll find peace and joy. The Ten Commandments, like I said over and over again, were not put there to keep you from having joy and fun. They're they're there so that you can have peace and joy. Every time we step outside of those things, when we, when we decide that we know better, typically is where we get hurt and where we hurt other people. Verse 20. It says, Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Our value in Christ doesn't come from our position, whether high or low, whether CEO or janitor. We don't have to then have our identity shaped by what we're doing. Because I think sometimes we, and I can only speak as a man because that's what I am. Sorry, ladies. But we can be so driven to have our identity going, oh, he's a hard worker. Oh, look what he's achieved. And we not, we not live our life like that's our identity, but that's what we're living for. We're living for that that next, you know, pay raise. We're living for that next title, that next employee of the month, whatever your thing is. And we spend all this time chasing something that isn't going to satisfy us. And this isn't a condemnation on the janitor, and this isn't a condemnation on the CEO, but when we get our value out of that position, we're in danger. Colossians 3.23 This is, I've done some manual labor this week. It's super hot outside, I'm just going to say. It was several times on Friday that I literally just sat down on the ground in the middle of work. Because <laughs> it was either like sit down or like fall down. So I sat down. But this, this verse just kept playing in my head. Colossians 3:23 through 24. It says, whatever you do, work heartily. As for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Like I'm out there, you know, doing this manual labor. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm doing it for X. But like, what if, what if all the things that you do, you did from a new perspective of going, hey, I'm going to serve God in digging this hole. I'm going to serve God in, you know, making dinner for my family. I'm going to serve God in serving my spouse. I'm going to serve God, but literally everything you do because here's 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 the here's the danger that we're I'm trying to pull from. When our identity is centered on who we are in Christ, that's where we look to for our acceptance and our acclaim like who they're going to think about, uh, you know, who's going to think about us, versus when we're on the other side of that, we're waiting for someone else, including your spouse, which is a dangerous position to put them in, to build you up. And for those that have taken the um, test on, word, on the five love languages, couples, like I'm a words of affirmation guy. 
So I'm always waiting for Jody to tell me how awesome I am. Sometimes it's a really long wait. Sometimes I have to tell her that I've been waiting. I would like her just to like tell me how awesome I am. But it's a dangerous position to put her in. Because in those moments when I'm waiting for her to approve of me, I'm putting her in a position that she was not meant to be in. Because does her words to me, her acknowledging who I am, it does make you feel good. I'm not saying that spouses, you should never. Like, oh, he just said the Lord is going to give you that, so I don't have to anymore. But it changes the way you perceive it when I'm doing these things for Jesus. And so just in case you hear this and you're like, well, you know, some people shouldn't remain in where they're called. Paul is not saying for the thieves, and these are only two categories, there's a lot more, for the thieves and the drug dealers to stay in their job. Because where God called you, he can use you. Okay? Let's just... Ephesians 4, 28, just in case some of you run out of here and go like, I can still keep cheating the IRS. He said to stay where he called me. Um, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Our work is to be for God and for the benefit of others. Verse 21. Were you called as a bondservant? Were you a bondservant when called? Bondservant is a slave, basically. Do not be concerned about it, but if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself to that opportunity. Because some people were coming to the Lord and they're now a slave. And they'd be like, well, how can I be useful to the kingdom if I'm here as a slave? And he's saying, hey, hey, don't concern yourself about it. Let work as unto the Lord in verse 22. But he did say, like, if you can get your freedom, get your freedom. That's great. In verse 22, it says, For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freedman in the Lord. Likewise, he who is free when called is a bondservant of Christ. So if you're a slave when you get called to Jesus, you're free in the Lord. If you're free when you get called, you're a slave to Jesus. He's saying, hey, both sides, you're here. Because their value comes from the Lord. In Christ, our value and worth is based on Him and not what we do. Verse 23. You were bought with a price. Do not become a bondservant of men. So brothers, in whatever condition each was called, let him remain with God. Your freedom has been purchased. Do not become a slave to the thoughts and judgments of man. What if right now, in this moment, you could be freed from all your fear, anxiety, and inner turmoil that you're having based on what other people think or have said to you. 
I mean, how many, don't raise your hand, right now, don't raise your hand, y'all heard me say that, right? Right now, don't elbow their spouse next to you, are frustrated at someone, cannot get over it based on something they've said about you. I mean, in the day and age that we live in with social media, it's so easy to criticize and to condemn someone feeling that there's no consequences to it. But our identity, who we are, has been purchased by what Jesus did on the cross for us. And we have, and this is the work that you'll spend the rest of your life doing. Because it's difficult to live in our world and not let others' opinions about you bother you. And I'm not talking about the opinions that are true, like you're a mean person, and they said you're a mean person. I'm not going to believe them. If you are, if they're saying things about you that are true, deal with those true things. We should be marked. When we, we said how great his love for us, that should be weaved into us and how we treat other people. We, we should be the most loving people that others interact with. But unless our identity is fixed and centered on him, we cannot be. Because we're going to have to defend ourselves. We're going to have to like make sure people understand how awesome I am. And we're going to have to fight back because we have to guard this identity that is based on other things. So here's a few questions for you. Number one is, where is your identity centered? Like, who are you? Where, where's your value coming from, honestly? I'm not going to have you write it down or tell your neighbor, mostly because I think you wouldn't tell the truth. But if it's placed somewhere else, it, it's a hard road ahead. Where do you find your value at? I'm going to let you into a little secret of me. I find a lot of my value in what I do for other people. And how hard I work at times. I want that to be known because I'm looking to receive value from somewhere else. And it's something I'm very aware of. It's something that I have to deal with on it, like I, it's the conversation I have with my wife all the time. Tell me how awesome I am. And it's literally, thankfully, the Holy Spirit at times just smacks me across the head and go, where are you looking for that approval from? Because to be completely honest, whatever you think about me doesn't matter. Because at the end of this age, I will not be judged by what you think about me. I'll be judged by what Jesus thinks about me. And if that's the reality, which it is from what the Bible tells us, what I'm talking about today is living in that place 
that we, we live out that reality. And some of that is helping ourselves recenter that. So we've got to spend some time going, are you the sinner? Is my value coming from what you've done to me, through me, for me? Here's your next question for you. And if you've got a bad work environment and the worst boss in the world, documented, you're not going to like this next statement, question. How would it or should it change your perspective if you realize that God has put you where you're at? Not for a hostile takeover. (laughs) But how would it change your work tomorrow, or tonight, if you work tonight, if you looked at the reality of that Colossians 3.23, that you're, you're doing your work as unto the Lord. If the boss never approves of you, never acknowledges your hard work, even if they steal your acclaim, how would or should it change your perspective of how you deal with work tomorrow because if you don't think through this you're going to go to work tomorrow and you're going to get angry because of this other person instead of going and i'm telling you you better be doing some if this if you're like yes i need a perspective change you better be doing some praying beforehand you better be inviting the holy spirit in to your mind into your life to pour over you before you walk into those environments Because it is not just an acknowledgement like, I'm going to do everything unto the Lord tomorrow. It is choosing to serve them in spite of them not deserving it. Because here's something. This is for free. You didn't deserve the mercy that God gave you when he called you. And how we can treat other people that don't deserve our mercy is the same way. Because God had mercy on you while you were still a sinner, while you were still far from God. When He called you to Him, He showed you mercy that you didn't deserve. And so how do we treat others that don't deserve it? I'm just going to tell you that if God put you there, God has purpose for you being there. Whether it's just for tomorrow, maybe your last day is tomorrow, or maybe your last day is 20 years from now. God has put you in that place. Here, here's another one. God has put you in that family. God has put you in that marriage. I get ahead, get ahead of myself on this one. So how would it change your attitude at work? And that same idea in this relationship, because Paul basically goes through marriage, and he's like, hey, if you're married when you get called, stay married. Because there's this thing, do I need to like shed everything and serve the Lord wholeheartedly? He's like, hey, look, if you're married, it's okay to be married. But if you're not married, then it's okay not to be married. And he goes through all these things, great points. But the point is that if you are married, God has called you there. I'm telling you, 
Everybody wants to be better. Most of us just don't want the work to get there. And let me just tell you, your spouse is some of God's means to help you get better. No amens on that one, huh? Your spouse was put there for that reason, good and bad. Because you know what? You know how flawed and imperfect you are? They are the same. And you, as you stay into this place because your identity is fixed on Him, and and you understand that God has brought you into that relationship or into that place, He's called you into His kingdom, in that moment, use that moment. So I'm going to ask our worship team to come back up, and I have one more statement for you. The first verse that we went through in 17, it says, lead the life that the Lord has assigned you. Lead it. Because God's put you there. And the great thing is that if he hasn't called you anywhere, he is today inviting you into that story. He is today asking you to be centered on Him. Because He fixes broken things. That, that's what His ministry is. And, and we are all broken things. Even after Jesus. Paul, what we talked about in Romans 7, he's like, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. Like, we're flawed. And we have to be centered on something that's going to anchor us down. Lead the life that the Lord has assigned you. What has he assigned you to? Where has he called you? How can you change the reality of how you've treated work last week to treat work this week or treat relationships last week to treat relationships this week if you understand like the text says lead the life that the Lord has assigned you to when he called he's put you in that place and in verse 24 it says so brothers in whatever condition each was called let him remain with God that's the key Figure out how to fix your attention on Him today. Look, Christianity, life with Christ, is the most difficult thing that you will ever do. Because it's a dying to yourself over and over again. It's a re- releasing of your aspirations. It's a releasing of your maybe desired identity for one that he wants to put on you. It's something that you will literally spend your life wrestling with because you're still here. As long as we're in the flesh, there will be a struggle. And I, I, I just, you know, all the fake, false teachers of the gospel that say come God will give you everything that you want and desire you'll be happy 
you'll never suffer loss. They're liars. But the one thing that you will have constant is that he loves you. And that even in the most difficult times, God is working in and through you. So I don't, I don't know where this, this hits you this week. See, the beauty of the Holy Spirit in this room right now, the beauty of His Word, something vaguely that I said, God can be speaking in and through you. Don't ignore what you feel in these moments. Unless it's like full-on sin, then ignore it. Let's have a conversation afterwards. But like, where where is God trying to call? What is He saying to you today? What in you is going on? And, and the reason why we sing a song at the end isn't for four more minutes of your life to be here in this room. The reason why we put a song at the end of our service, one, it's awesome, especially when we may have some revelation of like who God is and what He's doing through us to worship Him. But it's also for you to wrestle. Wrestle in this moment of going... Here's what's going on with me, and I, I need have a conversation. Be honest. Like, look, you can lie to everybody else, but God is not deceived by what's going on inside of you. Be honest with Him and see what He has to say. Let's pray. Lord, I am unaware what you're trying to do in the lives of those in this room. But one thing I am very confident about is that you're always drawing people into a deeper relationship with you. And so, Lord, right now, as uh, we worship you again, Lord, I... I pray that the work of the Holy Spirit in and around your word would do its His work right now. Lord, if confession and repentance need to happen, Lord, I pray that it would be poured out of us with joy. Because we know that in the confession, in the repentance, Lord, there's grace and mercy. There's healing and restoration. So, Lord, I pray that you would literally help us center you in our hearts. And that when you're centered there, Lord, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, Lord. So when you're centered here in our heart, Lord, you are what flows out of us. Help us get to that place. And Lord, thank you for your grace and mercy along the way.